You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. It was an interesting time to be alive in the early 2000s as a child, as I was being exposed to great actors and directors like Robert Rodriguez, Antonio Banderas, and in case of today's movie, David Spade. All of these were not childhood household names until I was a kid. Well, today on Systematic Geekology, we're going to do a little bit of a retro dive into the Disney vault as we look at an all-time modern classic, The Emperor's New Groove. We're the priests of the geeks. We love talking about all things geek, including Disney films. I believe that there's actually a large group of us here at Systematic Geekology who consider themselves Dis-nerds, which I think might be the laziest of all the geek terms of endearment dis nerds that's like the laziest one i'm sorry we should have tried harder than that but hey if you want to try harder to support the show look at that turn head on over to patreon.com slash systematic ecology subscribe to one of our tiers when you're where you can unlock great bonus content i'm one of your hosts for today's show brandon knight i am a seminary student and recently, I have been geeking out on Taco Bell. It is the 60th, that is 6-0 anniversary of Taco Bell. And up on their website, they have a 60 fun facts about Taco Bell. Did you know at the original Taco Bell, the OG Taco Bell, they had tacos, they had burritos, they had the, you know, the gimmick. They also had chili burgers. They, they, they had like a Tex-Mex type of thing. And I know I really want a chili burger from Taco Bell now, but that has to be a huge expense because obviously they don't have those type of grills in their restaurants. Yeah, I mean, huge, exp- uh, huge expense or, you know, food poisoning, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think you may have stumbled upon the thing more disgusting than Wendy's chili is chili from Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm just imagining. Oh, that's a hot take. People. I'm just imagining. People chili. love Wendy's chili. Well, here's the thing about people, right? Sometimes people are wrong. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining this chili, but with Taco Bell's meat. No. And Josh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that you would need be to weird. leave this in. Absolutely. But hey, I'm a guy from the Midwest, so I will eat White Castle sliders all day. Joe, why don't you introduce yourself? (laughs) I am Joe. I am a uh, podcaster, broadcaster, and confession with the Saints time. I absolutely love White Castle. That is one of my guilty pleasures and one of the things I miss from the Midwest. Oh, yes. My wife hates everything about it. Can't. (laughs) can't i i have to go there myself and when i do i get it all the sliders the chicken rings fries grape soda tastes great at white castles we're gonna do a white castles episode sometime maybe we'll watch that awful harold and kumar film anyway we're here today not to talk about white castles but we're here to talk about the emperor's new groove as a child we were introduced to great actors such as david spade john goodman and the other guy who i always forget his name but he plays david putty on uh seinfeld he played the tick yeah, i can't think of that guy's name i can't name. think of his name either his voice is so iconic yep cronk in the movie he plays cronk this is i 
I don't know people who don't like this movie. Are there people who don't like this movie? I, again, see previous statement about sometimes people are wrong. Um, <laughs> Patrick Warburton is his name. Um, okay. okay. So I, it should come as no giant surprise for anybody who has listened to some of my takes and some of the things that I was into as a kid and all of that kind of stuff. Disney wasn't really my bag when I was a kid. There's some things that kind of broke through the periphery a little bit as far as um, like animated stuff and things like that. But like these types of movies, not really my bag growing up. And so okay. I'll be honest, what what precipitated this whole idea of doing retro Disney um, reviews is I my wife, who did grow up on this kind of stuff, has started introducing me to some of these older okay. classic Disney movies. And there's something to being able to because I absolutely am not one of the Disneyards of the group. And okay. so being able to partner with a Disney and go over some of these things um, is is a really uh, interesting experience. And so so going through this movie, a it fascinates me still to this day, all of the jokes that they are able to slide into these movies that are 100% meant for the parents. This, yeah, and they just go right over a kid's head, I'm sure. But that is the best part of retro watching a, a film I watched as a kid any of them because there's plenty and then i was watching this is a tangent i was watching batman beyond the other day because i've been doing batman all month Mm -hmm. and there was a line in there that was very adult and i even made a tiktok about it if you want to go see it at just.branded.k i made a tiktok about it i was like my childhood was not as innocent as i thought because it was very dirty this comment that would have went over my little seven-year-old brain right but so this movie you're talking about david spade comedic gold underrated i think david spade is one of the funniest uh, comedy character actors that is around and then john goodman and then patrick warburton like you're talking about an all-star cast and you know, oh, yeah. going going through and watching and watching this movie, I found myself, and I'm not, <clears throat> I, I'm not necessarily like a comedy person per se. I'm not the type of person that necessarily will sit there and laugh at a movie and all of that kind of stuff. But I found myself legitimately like cracking up at this movie because of you know just the the timing. I think for both of the the leads was so spot on that it just and then and then Kronk those three of them together are absolutely comedic genius and I think with all of the um the moments in it all and then you've got Kronk peppering his stuff in it's a whole thing um I really thoroughly enjoyed it and then I'm getting ready so so that's that's kind of 1A of this conversation. And then this movie is kind of like the gift that keeps on giving because after the fact I had pretty quickly pitched the idea of doing these, these uh, retro reviews and all of that and getting ready for this um, 
this recording, I decided to do some research. And apparently, people have spent quite a bit of time trying to expound upon the theology of the Emperor's New Groove. And like, there's articles, there's websites, people have spent far more time than is probably necessary on a cartoon and trying to put the square peg into a round hole. But I can't say as though I'm surprised because obviously the Emperor's New Groove is based upon the Emperor's New Clothes, which is a moral tale. It's a it, it's it's an old it, it's an old tale that has been passed on and redone and all of these kinds of things. And so, to me, it's not horribly surprising to see that people have immediately tried to draw those comparisons. So this part definitely fascinates me. I have never heard a single ripped out of context sermon illustration using the emperor's new groove. And trust me, I've heard a lot of bad ones. My friend in middle school had an entire devotional book devoted to Napoleon Dynamite. Like I've seen some pretty ridiculous things out there and I do want to get that book and do an episode on it now. Um, I have never heard anything about the theology of the emperor's new groove. Although I, I agree with you. It doesn't surprise me that those do exist because this is based off of a longstanding, I think it's an Aesop fable of the emperor's new clothes. It's a moral tale. So it doesn't surprise me that we can make that moralistic theology jump. But before we get to the jump, let's just talk about the movie itself. This is arguably to me, the most quotable film. Ever. I can quote this movie all of the time. The only thing that comes close to my ability to just riff quotes off of from a movie would be Spaceballs. That is the only other movie that I can just like rapid fire quotes from this. Joe, what did you think as an adult? I mean, you said that's so funny, but as an adult, what overall, what'd you think of this movie? As far as, as far as coming from a generation that is the type of thing where as far as coming from a generation where these kinds of movies kind of like to button everything up into a single moral piece and have it distilled down to a a good um message if you will I really thought that they allowed this movie to have personality and have substance. And mm-hmm. I think, honestly, a large part of it to go back to the actors is you don't get out of a movie with those three. And that's not even to speak of the um, the, the quote unquote big bad of the uh, of, of the movie. I thought she was absolutely wonderful as well. Her name escapes me. But I don't think you get out of that movie without just having this, having the whole thing just dripping personality and the writing on it was just superb in so many ways. Yeah, it's almost like they really wrote the movie around the voice actors rather than we're going to write this movie, make this movie and then try to fill the slots 
Cusco is David Spade. And Pacha, I think it's Pacha, is John Goodman. Pacha is John Goodman. You, if you're going to have John Goodman in a film, even if it's animated, you have to write around John Goodman. Look at Sully in Monsters, Inc. So I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know before like i knew nothing as far as i knew that they made like a tv show and i knew that i i had heard of the emperor's new groove but i did not know that it was starring david spade and john goodman and so that was like a nice little treat for me but i would agree that even down Mm. to the build of the animated characters in relation to their physical counterparts Mm-hmm. There's this gravity that Pacha has that is just like you he he's got John Goodman has this big booming larger than life sort of voice especially mm-hmm. we're talking pre all of his medical issues in the late 90s early 2000s and we're talking like at the at the height of his career you know, he had this mm-hmm. this voice that that leaped off the page, if you will, and they they wrote the mannerisms and physicality of Pacha to suit that voice. Just like with David Spade, he's a little wiry dude. He's if you ever if you've ever seen yeah. any of his stand up or any of his uh, more physical comedy stuff, like it, if he's on like any of the many sitcoms he was on anything like that he's a very physical sort of actor that's always kind of how he that's honestly what but one of the biggest reasons why i think he and chris farley did as well as they did together mm. um because they're both very very physical actors and so they allowed for that physicality to translate in a way where it felt like you were getting you were still getting all of both of these actors. You weren't losing out on any part of them because you were just getting their voice. I like the idea of the, uh, the physicality because it, it very literally is. And you can see that with uh Kronk's character as well. Like he's this huge guy and Patrick, whatever his last name is, is a very, he's a big guy too. He's like John Goodman. He's a big guy. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my favorite moments in the movie. Of course, there's the waterfall scene when they're talking about how they're going to go over the waterfall. Sharp, sharp rocks at the bottom. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bring it on. And they're just so chill about it. <laughs> they're so chill about it. Um, pull the lever and they pull the lever. Wrong lever. <laughs> um, the best part is the scene where they're running and trying to get back and it goes between Kronk and Yzma and Pacha and Cusco and then it goes to a map and it's got like the little checker like following them yeah. and they can look down and they can see the checker marks on the ground and then Yzma and Kronk get there before them and they're like, how did you get there before us? How did we get here, Kronk? I don't know. By all logic, it doesn't make any sense. And that's my best voice impersonation of him as well. I mean, this movie is just. The laughs just keep coming. It is just one after another after another, but not just like uh, 
distract you with funniness. It's a good story. Like they told a good retelling of the emperor's new clothes. And I think that that's the key to a movie like this, that why there are some of these movies that have absolute staying power as far as being in the pantheon of the what when you think of Disney movies, especially, you know, animated movies there. There's a a short list of ones that come to everybody's mind. And there's a reason why this one is definitely on that list, because they tell a good story, but they don't sacrifice either side for the other one. They don't sacrifice a good story for the sake of, you know, laugh per minute but they they don't you know they don't focus so much on telling a story that you can't laugh um that part that right. you when they broke the fourth wall and the, by all logic doesn't make any sense that had i was cracking up because especially being a comic book fan and being such a fan of mm-hmm. when when fourth wall breaking is done correctly that is some of the best material in my opinion that's why i'm such a big uh deadpool fan that oh yeah same for for me that was absolutely the best part of the movie i love a good fourth wall break deadpool and the deadpool films are great for that even going all the way back, I love you oftentimes make quick references to the Three Stooges. I love the Marx Brothers hmm. and Groucho Marx does a lot of good fourth wall. Just going to talk to the audience right down the camera type of moment. I love that. Yep. Another reason why I think this movie stands out among the early 2000s Disney films is that that was kind of a trying time for Disney. They were focusing a lot on trying to acquire Pixar before DreamWorks could or anyone else could. And so a lot of their films during the early 2000s, there was quite a few direct-to-DVD, which is a phrase that probably people don't say too much anymore, direct-to-DVD films during that time that were sequels to all older Disney films. There was Return to Neverland and Cinderella 2 and Little Mermaid 2. But also during that time, you get things like The Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch. And even right at the at 99, I think it was, is when Tarzan came out, which is... I don't care. There was an episode we did. You know, this is one of the reasons why it's difficult having so many different hosts on a podcast is there was an episode where there was a whole discussion about what is the greatest Disney like soundtrack. That was this was like a a conversation that came up and nobody said Tarzan and you're all wrong. (laughs) Like Tarzan is the best one. Phil Collins took leftover material that he never used before and wrote an entire album for a movie. Like that was free. That was a retro rant. Uh, Anyway. So this movie stands out among three other really good films because there was actually a low point. If that might seem surprising to some people, but Disney had a low point. Disney sometimes doesn't hit their stride with their films. And then there's some really good gems in it. You know, I, I and this is this is what probably separates me and makes this such an interesting topic of conversation to mix perspectives on because if it was another Disney here, they would probably be some say something to the effect of, yeah, Disney has sometimes had low points, but mainly they've put out bangers. 
The problem is, is that's a lie. <laughs> and, and my mama told me <laughs> not to lie. Um, you know, and, and I think that this is a point in time where they're willing to tell a story that goes beyond the powers inside of you. You know what I mean? That that okay. if you just believe in yourself enough, then you can make it happen and believe sure. in the self and all of those kinds of things. It was still a matter of like morality and something external to okay. the self that they were focusing on during this time. And, you know, so, so to, to the granular specifics of each time frame, yeah, I've got a soft spot for like early 90s. Disney, because you're you're talking about like classics like Lion King and stuff like that, Aladdin, you know, okay. all of those. Um, which again, sure. Aladdin is the single greatest Disney movie ever created. Fight me, um, but that that okay. is a, <laughs> is a wonderful time, be- and and you see that there's something to the fact that there's. Uh, external stories, and then that just kind of all melded into, you know, believe in yourself and all of those kinds of things. So I think that mm-hmm. this is part of the end of a generation of Disney movies, um, and I think that that's part of what shows in its quality. I am kind of interested. I'm at that awkward age where I want to watch Disney movies because I was raised on Disney movies, but what they're putting out now isn't interesting to me. Turning red in Kanto, clearly, especially with Encanto, based off of some of the music that's coming from it. People do enjoy these films. I'm not saying these are bad films as a almost 28 year old adult man. These movies aren't for me. So with a baby boy here coming around the corner soon, I'm kind of excited that I'm going to be entering a new phase where Disney movies may be relevant to me again, if anything. So that way I can see the enjoyment through my child's eyes in the more recent history of Disney. Probably Frozen 2 was the last one that I was like interested enough to go see with everybody and enjoyed Big Hero 6 for sure, because that has marvel comic book vibes to it but is adorable all at the same time so i'm entering a new phase and i'm excited for it i've already got shows on disney plus like picked out for when cooper is old enough to watch tv that spider-man and his amazing friend show it's got him and miles morales and gwen stacy we're gonna watch so much of that it's gonna be great that's funny go ahead say your thoughts before we move over into this apparently very debated theology side of things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that how a single company can shift and develop their message in the way that Disney had. I'll give it to them. They have held they have been able to monetize the childhood experience better than any company that I could think of. And and been able to capitalize on that to a to a level and a degree unseen by any other company. So it, it's interesting mm-hmm. how if you ask other people, like or like if you ask enough people about what they resonate with, you're going to get different answers and things like that. I, I with you mentioned in Encanto. Uh, in, in um, 
Encanto. Encanto, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I've been watching some of the reactions to that one, and I, I know what the plot synopsis is. And to me, it, I mean, beyond just it's not for me, I'm like, mm, man, we're flirting with some bad messaging here. Caked in something fine, like mm. like the characters, whatever. Sure, but like the overall moral of the story. I don't I don't know about this, Tim. You know what I mean? So so it's just that's probably <laughs> one of the most interesting aspects to me as I get into these what should have been my generation's um you know, maybe a little bit older than 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 my I think I was outside just outside of the the key demographic for something like this when it first came out. But mm-hmm. it, it it's interesting to see everybody's different responses to different generations of content put out by the same company. True. It's very true. Everyone's got a different perspective. There's people who probably don't there's got to be someone who doesn't like this movie and just wants to watch all the classics and that, like the actual classics talking like Cinderella and the older ones, which are fine. Peter Pan's low key racist, but you know, it's cool. Um, <laughs> hey, why don't you take us to the, uh, take us to the theology side of this now? Cause I'm interested to see where this goes. <laughs> um, yes. So um, the the first um, example that I saw here, um, and, and this is something that I am reading from an, an article because somebody went as so far as to um, draw very specific um, comparisons for just made for just such an occasion. Of course. And so um, there the scene where Cusco and Pancha are um, going across the rickety bridge um and it oh, that's okay. going across the deep, the deep ravine making their way making their way across obviously the 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 bridge breaks for for those of you that have it, that haven't seen it and they're tangled up in the vines well when they lock arms and they're like trying to get up the ravine by doing that they draw the comparison uh-huh. about us partnering with holy spirit to get to where we <laughs> okay this is exactly why i've been pushing for more video content because the look that brandon just gave me said everything that needed to be said um so so i'm gonna quote here real quick some people really want to some people really want to rewrite pilgrim's progress and they really shouldn't they really should not that's awesome so what's our quote <laughs> okay so um so starting from it's quoting direct from from the movie at first how do i know you won't let me fall after you grab the rope poncha tells him you're just gonna have to trust me so cusco puts or trust poncha does as he says and the pair survive this is a lot like our sanctification after we have been justified and declared right by god he begins to sanctify us Romans 12.2 calls Christians to, quote-unquote, be transformed. In the original language, though, this phrase has both passive and active portion. Uh, one, one part, the transformation, can't be accomplished by me. Only God can, tra- can transform us into his image. The other part, however, is a call to action. It's a call to be active and willing participant 
who actually shows up and be transformed. And and it goes on to to continue talking about sanctification. Okay. So this is and and I'll I'll draw other examples of where they where they try and use the movie to make a a religious point. What they said there about sanctification wasn't the part that was necessarily off piece. It wasn't off center, but you see some of these some of these examples where somebody tries and takes a movie and they will try their level best to squint and cock their head to draw a comparison between a movie and a Christian theme. I'm all for allowing the Christian theme or the Christian themes of your life to have an influence on how you view the world, how you view media, all of these kinds of things. How you wax poetically about a movie. Great. Wonderful. That's literally the entire gimmick behind our show. Right. But there's a difference to me between grabbing these singular concepts that are ripped out from a greater context and then looking at something that could potentially, if you look at it right, maybe be something that fits the mold and try and draw that comparison rather than just allowing a movie to be a movie, you know? So you've you've piqued a different side of my brain's interest here oh because you know I've been a traveling preacher for eight years now, so I've written my fair share of sermons. And in writing sermons, you have to use illustrations. I guess you don't really have to, but from a public speaking standpoint, it is wise to use illustrations to keep your audience engaged. And what we're poking at here is something that I've I've pitched as an episode topic before, kind of an anti-systematic geekology episode of talking about when when is it when do we go too far? When when do we stop doing this? When when are we like making the reaches too far? <sighs> like you said, the holy uh, sanctification part I guess isn't horrible. The holy spirit part came from nowhere. And again, it kind of makes sense when you start squinting at it certain ways. But as fun as this is, there is a line eventually. You know, I'm I'm the Lord of the Rings fan. And oh my gosh, people just I I've I'm sorry, listeners. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me ramble about this before. People rip all type of stuff out of the Lord of the Rings that's not actually there. Yeah. Every millennial who has ever gone on vacation and posted a pic or even a hike and has posted it on Instagram with the caption, all who wander are not lost, need to go read a book because that's not what it's talking about. Yep. That being said, I know you're not supposed to let for dead air time, but you pause for dramatic effects sometime. That being said, this is like a two part spiritual conversation because this is a this is a warning, guys, like guys and gals listening. You can't cram Jesus into everything pop culture. You can't. You 
shouldn't. You can. I'm a big believer in you can find Jesus in art. And for more on that, you should read the book Praise Habit by David Crowder, the, you know, the musician, um, Finding God in Sunset and Sushi. That is the byline or the tagline. Um, a great little book about finding God in everything, not from a pantheistic standpoint, but from looking for glimpses of God's grace in the everyday moments of life. But And that goes for art as well. But there is a there is a part where you do not go to go and collect 200. You can't always cram Jesus into it. And I get it. Like I said, doing the preaching, there are times where I have used sermon illustrations that are from movies. You know, I do, a, I teach a lot at our youth group. So I use a lot of pop culture when I do uh, teach with them, but I got to make sure it makes sense. And if I teach it, and if afterwards I don't think it made sense, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to put chips down on something. I had a teach earlier this year on righteousness. We were talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Joe, how do you teach righteousness, comma, and how do you do it with an audience between the ages of sixth graders to seniors in high school? That's exactly why about- I stopped doing any kind of kids ministry stuff because that's a Herculean feat and so many and there's about a million different ways that you can get something like that wrong. And what we're talking about here mm-hmm. with trying to shove Jesus into and so so for my uh, for for my generation it was really heavily I remember being in youth group and hearing um illustrations with the matrix all the flipping time. Oh yeah, but used used in youth group, and I'm like, come on, guys, like that's not what this, that's not the the point of the movie. You know what I mean? Right. Everything's an illusion. Oh yeah, that's what we need in youth group right now. Everything's an illusion. You have to break the wall. Can we all agree that maybe the Never mind. I'm going off on all these different tangents. We're recording early in the morning and I'm only on one cup of coffee. That's why you're getting a rare version of me in this episode. I think so, Joe's enjoying this. So. Oh, oh, I am. I am <laughs> because usually this is me. Um, so, okay. I want to respond to what you said with a um, going back to this article, right? It, go, it moves on to the next to the next example okay. yeah, of yeah. this. Immediately sure. after Pancha brings Cusco and himself to safety, the cliff falls out from underneath Pancha. As he begins to fall, Cusco sticks out his extra long llama neck, grabs his shirt collar, and pulls him back to solid ground. Instead of thanking Pancha for saving them 0.2 seconds before, Cusco begins to gloat. Yeah, look at me and my bad self. I snatched you right out of the air. <laughs> oh, I'm a crumbly canyon wall, and I'm t- and I'm taking you with me. Well, not today, pal. He then proceeds to strut while saying "uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh" as his uh, as his victory chant. Um, this is the same. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I can't say this with a straight face. This is the same for us when we sin. How often do we view overcoming sin as a victory? We feel like we have won against Satan. 
but the victory isn't ours. It's Jesus Christ. And it goes on to quote, to quote, uh, Corinthians 15, 57. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so what you're telling me then is every single example of every single hero's tale ever where somebody snatches another, another person from the, the imminent demise. This is an illustration of Jesus. Here's the thing, right? Exactly that, and there, and there, hmm. your that that pregnant pause with the long labored sigh says everything. Like it, it's so. So I'm uh, again. I'm all for, and I love getting into the nitty gritty of the philosophical and spiritual implications of the things that we mm-hmm. love. That is one of my favorite parts about doing this show. Now. The issue becomes when that takes a turn towards let's shove every single concept into this that we possibly can. And I'm just tossing this out there for all of you believers out there that will look at something like this and say, at least they're trying to put Jesus into something and at least trying to do that and all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I can appreciate the concept of what you're celebrating. Here's the issue though. The Bible Mm -hmm. does, in fact, mention that we shouldn't be giving God credit for things that aren't his. We shouldn't be putting words in his mouth. We shouldn't be adding on to scripture. We shouldn't be doing these things. Mm -hmm. And when we go too far, you know, we can say, hey, this reminds me of Jesus. And this is I can connect to God Mm -hmm. when I see these things, because it reminds me of this and that and all of those kinds of things. Great. Connect with God. Watch your favorite stuff. Again, Mm -hmm. no condemnation. We're all geeks. It's all one big geeky, happy family. Great. But sure. When you cross the line. And then like crossing the line in and of itself is problematic because that means that you're reading weird things into scripture and you're, you're opening the door for some weird theology to start to be born. If you are taking that and then showing that to a youth group, showing that to your kids, showing that to somebody mm-hmm. else and teaching that now you've spread the opportunity for bad thought process as far as trying to establish connections between something like a movie and the Bible. Okay. Yeah. I'm blending teachings here, but John Piper and C.S. Lewis surprisingly agree on something. Oh boy. Never thought I'd actually say that sentence uh, where every heart wants to worship something. I think it was Martin Luther who also said that our our hearts are Luther Calvin one of the two said that our hearts are idol making factories. We are just going to worship something, and what and and ultimately what we are to be worshiping is God. That is what we are longing to worship the most is to get to God. That is you know the garden state that we were supposed to be in of having this perfect fellowship with Him, and ultimately. What Lewis talks about is that you can catch these glimpses, even in some secular work, that you can catch these glimpses of 
there's kind of a Jesus-y thing going on here, kind of. Again, you brought up the hero's narrative, the trope of the Messiah. Like, yeah, it kind of looks like Jesus because the hero's narrative works of victory, defeat, rising from the ashes. Yeah, okay. and, and you're even talking- Cool Hand Luke has heavy Messiah influence in it. Go ahead. And there's a reason why there's only what seven and and some author out there can feel free when we when this goes live and we we post a, a link to it whatever social you find it at go ahead and pop in the comments if I'm if I'm wrong but um, I believe there's seven different stories like story types story narratives that's it and one of them is the hero story yeah now that where where you get into some of the some of the um potentially hot waters is when you try and chicken an egg in the wrong order something like a hero's narrative and the biblical narrative you look at mm-hmm. all of these different civilizations that have their own flood narrative you look at all of these different examples of the hero's tale that date back a very long time it's almost like they were all born out of something. It's almost like there was something that spawned the very first examples of these different concepts in different things like that. And so when when you have something like this, you know, there's we could sit here and go so far down the philosophical rabbit trail of all of these different concepts and the hero's tale and and all of the little nuancey things mm-hmm. and the idea of somebody saving somebody else and all of that kind of stuff. Like uh, even before I was a Christian sitting in a very secular state university classroom and going back and forth about philosophy with the teacher and all of that kind of stuff. And like, that's always been something that's intrigued me. But at the end of the day, one thing that I've realized is being being a nerd for source material. What spawned an idea? Who had the first example of this mm. idea? I love that. I love getting into the nuancey stuff of that. Okay. It's probably one of the things that drives the apologist part of my brain as much as it does. Because I love finding out where something came from, who thought of it first, who said it first, all of those kinds of things. And I, I, I remember sitting in a classroom for a religions class. Yes, religions, plural, because we went through all of the major mm-hmm. um, uh, belief systems from, from throughout history. And we kept going to, you know, these different common threads and she would always, you know, wink and a nudge and all of that kind of stuff towards these things that were pluralistic in nature because, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a kind of a wink and a nudge against Christianity, if I'm being honest. But the one right. thing I couldn't necessarily wrap my mind around is, okay, so what you're telling me is each one of these these different belief systems has this same kind of uh, same kind of thought process this same kind of example of this story or this trope or this sort of thing happening straight across the board okay so which one of them did it first and by all accounts when you look mm-hmm. at these things it's 
the Bible. It's Christianity that did that 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 did it first. That you can that mm-hmm. you can find the earliest recorded examples of these different things. And so I say all that to say, going back to what spawned us on this topic, yes, there are tropes in this uh, movie that are, you know, it's when they're good storytelling beats on top of a hilarious movie. And we haven't even gotten into everything that apparently they did with making Kronk Jewish. I, I don't know. I, 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 this is all, I, this was all. That's a thing. <laughs> well, apparently they made extra stuff like outside of the original. They made, they've made like sequels and yes. like there's like a TV show and a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently one of the extra things that they made had Kronk making like dreidels or something like that and like being like very openly like being. Uh, expressing his Judaism. Jewish. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I, I don't know. But all of, the, all of that to say, just because some of the inspiration is there doesn't mean that that gives us the creative license to go so far as to try and manipulate the word to fit a movie and that's really what we're doing here when when you do something like this Mm -hmm. and to put over our own gimmick like that's part of what makes our show different from a lot of other christian pop culture this is really for people who are jumping in for the first time this is what makes our show different is that we're not the oh, it's all evil, stay away from everything Disney because it's all evil people. And we're not the let's cram Jesus into every nook and cranny of this silly little movie. I go back, I always will go back to that episode we did back in January talking about Cthulhu. We weren't trying to cram Jesus into Cthulhu. We talked about the philosophy. We talked about nihilism. We talked about heavy topics. And yeah, we may have ta- we got into the hope of Jesus and all of that. But sometimes when it comes to wrestling with the media, you just have to wrestle with the media. Yeah. Don't try to cram anything into it. What is the message? And what is the message of the Emperor's New Groove? Um it's it's you know, kindness. It's thinking of somebody else outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, being humble enough to be saved when you need to be saved. And the, uh, mm. to go back to what we, to what you just said, you know, I, I can, I can see it's not lost on me why somebody would hear something like that and be like, see, it is talking about the Bible stuff. It is talking about the Bible. Okay. Yes. You're talking about, you know, being humble enough to be saved. Well, have you heard the good news of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ? You know what I mean? Like I I get it, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that it's a beat for beat execution of it. And it doesn't mean that we need to be, trying to shove Bible into every nook and cranny of this stuff. When sometimes you can say, Hey, guess what? Part of being a part of this world, whether 
you know, and and this is a, a topic in and of itself, is a morality play. You know, I, I understand mm-hmm. total depravity. I understand all of that kind of stuff. But sometimes good virtues, while they are by far and away not the end all be all, while they're by far and away not the thing that's going to save you, it's it they're, they're still more there's still morality for a reason you know what i mean we all have a moral mm-hmm. compass for a reason and so allowing for that sure. to be the thing and then maybe if you're talking about you know a, a concept and maybe you could eventually build the bridge towards talking about scripture that's okay but shoving a square peg in a round hole is different my all-time favorite finding god in media moment although the napoleon dynamite devotional is way up there my mom and i went to go see the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe movie gets done and somebody right in front of us goes oh i get it aslan is god not joking not trying to be a sarcastic jerk. Literal. I saw a literal light bulb moment nice. with one of the most obvious. Yes, you got it. You you got it. <laughs> For me, with the Emperor's New Groove, I think this is one of Disney's best examples of better together. We are better when right. we're not being self-reliant, when we're being selfish and focusing everything on ourselves, but when we actually can trust others and come together as a family, or in this case, you know, Disney always likes to point to family is doesn't have to be the literal, you know, flesh and blood because they like killing parents. Let's be honest. The parents die a lot in Disney movies. Um, so what we see here is that you know you got Cusco and Pacha and his family, they all kind of come together and everything is better once they all come together. And again, that's common sense, that's Ecclesiastes, that's biblical, that's you know, it's all kind of there. That we should not be trying to do life alone. Selfishness is a bad thing. Do things together and it'll go better. So that would be my takeaway from this movie, at least. And I hope that for for everybody that um, is hearing this, that, you know, this is a part of their childhood and all of those kinds of things. Trust me when I tell you, I understand the power of appreciating something from your childhood. I have literally been trying to get the hosts, uh, the other hosts to do 90s cartoon uh, episodes for a hot minute. I get it, guys. Um, but that being said, I hope that it's been clear the nuanced difference between acknowledging that all of these fables and good moral teachings and all of that kind of stuff, they do have source material. They do have an origin point. Somebody did do it first. All of these things were born out of a place, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. And, and trying to go the extra mile and saying, Hey, this is like this verse. Look at that. This is like a, this is like an example of this very specific biblical concept and all of those kinds of things. Because one acknowledges without going too far down the rabbit trail that, yeah, 
they're, you know, that they're, we, we can get into, okay, so this is what it's talking about. It's not talking about Romans, whatever. It's not talking about uh, Corinthians, this. It's talking about better together. It's talking about being a good person. It's talking about all of those kinds of things. Now, now that we've established that, now we can go the extra mile and say, okay, so where did these things come from? Where did morality come from? Where did all? Of, where do all of these con- these concepts come from? I hope you guys understand that that that's kind of what we're trying to illustrate out of this, and not trying to say something like, oh, but it's wrong to see God in in media. No, it's not. That's not that's not wrong at all. But when you when you try and manipulate scripture to fit a a very, very, very specific example, that's where you start to run into problems. And at the end of the day, like you said, Brandon, this movie is absolutely hilarious. It yes, we took we 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 took the opportunity to talk about a concept for a thing that happens in movies, and we could sit here and literally do a whole episode here's the pitch that of, of examples of this, where people over spiritualize a movie and there's literally tons. We could probably do an episode and a series and sequels and so on of examples of this happening at the end of the day. This is just an example of it. So we're not trying to rail against this movie. If anything, we're sitting here trying to sing its praises because for somebody like me who is cynical uh, jaded and outside of the key demographic where this is that where this is nostalgia for me I thought that this movie was absolutely fantastic okay uh, do you want to do a rating yeah so out of out of five you know I, I gotta give it a I gotta give it a strong 4.75 you know something like that I'm not sure yeah uh, I I don't want to just based off of principle give it a five, but sure. I, I struggle to find anything that prevents it from being a five. Yeah, like seriously, I think I would go four point nine. Like yeah. I, you have to have. I mean, to give something a perfect score, it has to be perfect. This movie is darn well near perfect. I'm as in I, everything about it. I think this is as close to perfect that you get without finally just crossing the line and becoming perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's start wrapping things up. Joe, before we get out of here, got any recommendations for our audience? <coughs> um, yeah, I I would recommend... Um, I am in the midst of reading you know we're talking about nostalgia and all of that i've recommended this before but um we they they just started a new story arc um the boom studios power rangers run is oh. in the midst of such good storytelling that if you're like me and you're a product of the 90s and you see these different the, these different characters and you're like man I wish we could get more in-depth storytelling that it isn't just like a kids TV show sort of thing mm-hmm. pick up the comic run it's exactly what you're looking for all right uh, as for me I would say I'm going to lean into the Disney side of things and say, if you're a Disney nerd and you got Disney plus, which probably you do, 
if you haven't watched Behind the Attraction yet, it's worth watching. I haven't completed it yet, but basically this is a docu-series on the history of some of Disney's most iconic rides. The uh, They have one on first couple episodes is on Jungle Cruise and then also the Haunted Mansion, which the whole history behind the Haunted Mansion is so interesting. This ride stayed in developmental hell for a long time and it was going to be a completely different like actually scary like haunted house type of thing before it ended up being what it is today so fascinating little show check it out over there joe where can people find you if they want to listen to you talk more um you can find me on all of the socials um and anywhere that you find podcasts at either buddy walk with jesus or kingdom on the road um i am live on facebook six out of the seven days a week so if you try hard enough you'll find me you can follow my show my seminary life wherever you get your podcasts we're on facebook and instagram at my seminary life pod I talk about the things I'm studying in seminary right now. And if you're for some reason really interested in ministry administration, that's what we're talking about right now. And we got a whole host of other episodes. It's been a lot of fun. So you can check it out over there. Go to systematicology.org and let us know if you're a Diz nerd. One, what would you rather be called? And two, let us know other retro Disney films that you would like to like us to talk about here and i guess we're gonna say retro has to be earlier than 2010 at least 10 years older or more i suddenly feel so old (laughs) ditto um i guess we'll go with that so we can do deep cuts talking about snow white and the seven dwarves and i could tell you how much tolkien hated that movie and or we could talk about more recent gems like tarzan hercules mulan the animated one not the other one um but yeah all of that let us know on systematicology.org thank you for listening to this show and remember we are all a chosen people a geekdom of priests This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.